The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted. Yes, you're going to know what episodes I recorded while sick, but the show goes on, people, and I am so rarely sick, but too much to do, too many people to speak with, including my next guest. And I say it often because I believe it so deeply. I have the greatest job in the world. I just do. Health and wellness, bringing that to you. But then my homework is reading the studies, stuff I love to do, but reading these books, reading these incredible books, like the one we're going to talk about today. And then I not only get to read these incredible books, I get to interview the people that write them, the best of the best. And then I not only get to interview them, I get to bring all that to you. And as I say, I'm only going to bring you the best because I'm not going to waste your time. You have limited time and I'm going to bring you the information that will debunk all those myths that is based in science and that is really interesting as today's guest will show you the history of exercise and women and all that's involved in that. I've been in this business a really long time and I learned so much from this book. And it's so entertaining. That's what's so incredible from guests like Michael Easter, The Comfort Crisis, and Danielle Friedman, the author of Let's Get Physical. That is what we're going to talk about today. You're going to hear from her. They're incredible writers too. So not only entertaining but educational. And today's interview is a little different in that it's the history of exercise as well as it relates to women. And it goes to running and home workout videos and bar method, group exercise, but it's also athleisure and the marketing and the advertising and all the women's issues and how it influenced Fitness for women. And I would argue that's the difference with fitness disrupted too. We don't focus on one thing. I don't focus on one thing. You can't if you want to be successful. It's not just nutrition. It's not just exercise. And it's not even just motivation. Those three things. Got to look at the history. Got to know from where we came. We got to know where we're going. What's incredible about this book, Let's Get Physical, is it's really interesting. So surprising. And the connections are incredible as well. Could not have enjoyed reading this book more. I mean, if you're into exercise, if you're into fitness, either, you know, professionally or someone who just works out, 
Gonna love this book. Gonna love this book. But as I said, it's not just entertaining, it's educational on so many levels. It's incredible how much work went into this book. And I'm gonna talk to Danielle about that. Years of research. Speaking with the people, you know, going to the source or the daughter of the source. You know, incredible. So much fun to read. So, who am I bringing to you? And by the way, I have such a great job. This book's not even out yet. I heard about it. And I said, I got to find out more about this book. And the more I found out, I said, I got to have her on. And I got an advanced copy. Kind of cool. On the cover, it says, advanced, uncorrected proof, not for sale. But you can pre-order it. And you absolutely should. Absolutely. So good. Let's get physical. Written by Danielle Friedman. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Danielle Friedman. I'm laughing because my voice, I apologize. Show goes on, as I say. Uh, Danielle Friedman is an award-winning journalist whose feature writing has appeared in the New York Times, The Cut, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Glamour Health, and other publications. She has worked as a senior editor at NBC News Digital and The Daily Beast, and she began her career as a nonfiction book editor at the Penguin Imprints, Hudson Street Press, and Plume. Friedman lives in New York City with her husband and son. Such a good read. Different people. Different in such a great way knowledge the books right the best of the best i'm not going to waste your time i'm never going to waste your time and this read let's get physical amazing all right let's go right to the source when we come back danielle friedman we'll be right back something that makes me crazy is when people say well i had this career before but it was a waste and that's where the perspective shift comes that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Again, I apologize for the voice. (laughs) Uh, But as I said, uh, you're going to know which interviews I did on what day based on this voice, right? Uh, But I was not canceling the interviews I had. And it includes the author of this amazing new book that is not even out yet. I feel so fortunate. Danielle Friedman, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I say it all the time. I only have the best guests on (laughs) and your, your book. Like, so for someone, Danielle, who has spent, you know, the better part of his life in this industry. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. your book was so amazing and so heavily researched. And how long did it, it must take you years um, to do what you did and write this book? It did. It did. All told, it took about four years from sort of conception of the idea to, um, well, to where we are today. So yeah, it was a pretty intensive um, research project. And what's incredible too is, uh, you know, you went and interviewed all of these people, right? So, so often people, you know, will, you know, do their homework and, and, and research, but you literally spoke with all of these amazing people that we'll talk about, right? That must've been absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. So travel, how great, right? To have that as part of your job, right? I mean, that must've been amazing. Absolutely. Um, I always, I always feel that as the journalist, you know, it's such a privilege to have the opportunity to um, connect with with extraordinary people, and this book uh, was no different. I, you know, I've been a women's health and culture journalist for almost two decades, um, and this book really just felt like the epitome of the work that I've um, done in this area and that I aspire to do. Yeah, so let's go right from there, right? What what really inspired you to to you know get this off the ground because it's it's a lot of work <laughs> you know this was a sure. lot of work as you said so it was a lot of work yeah. yeah but but it was the most fun work I've ever done <laughs> um so the book began um about four years ago um it was this feels a little bit cliche but it was the lead up to my wedding and um I'm a lifelong runner and I've always been very active but I had never I, I actually hadn't really um delved into boutique fitness yet at that point. And so I decided to take my first bar class. And that was really my first, um, and you know, very New York City-esque boutique fitness experience. I loved the way the classes made me feel, which was very strong, surprisingly strong. But as a feminist and as a women's health reporter, I was just, I just became intrigued by the subculture. And in particular, um, Many of the moves I noticed felt felt um, kind of surprisingly sexual, and so I I decided to dig into um, are there sexual health benefits to the bar workout, and what I discovered was way more interesting and rich and complicated than I ever could have expected. I stumbled on the story of Lottie Burke, the woman who invented bar in the 1950s, the late 1950s in London. Lottie is an incredibly complicated but fascinating cinematic character. And it, as it turned out, she was very ahead of her time, pre-sexual revolution even, in terms of encouraging women to really connect with their bodies and focus on their, their sexual well-being. I wrote about that story for New York Magazine's The Cut. And I was thrilled when that article went viral. I also discovered that um, many fitness professionals and and bar professionals, studio owners, uh, instructors really had no idea of what the workout's origins were. And I mean, it's so ubiquitous today, such a phenomenon, but it it felt like it just kind of came from nowhere. And of course, of course it didn't. Basically from there, uh, while I was working on that story, at one point I thought, you know, I'd love to talk to the author of the book about the history of women's fitness. <laughs> I like to do my due diligence and contextualize. And I was truly amazed to discover that that book did not exist. So the wheels got turning. I started digging a little bit more. And it turned out there were these Lottie Burke-like figures um, behind almost every movement of women's fitness, starting from the mid-20th century. 
And that's what's so incredible for someone like me, Danielle. I, I, you know, I kept saying to my wife, like how excited I was for that next chapter. And, and you're such a great writer. And, and the way you oh, would end these, yeah, I'm going to give you a horrible analogy, but I have to. Um, so I, I remember in college, it was the first ever WrestleMania, uh-huh. right? And sitting around, <laughs> you know, with a bunch of knucklehead roommates. And there was an event, you know, WrestleMania started with one guy. And then every 60 seconds, a new guy would come out and you'd go, you were mm-hmm. all excited. Like, who's next? And I had that similar horrible analogy feeling with your book. Every chapter, I was like, who's next? Right? This incredible <laughs> history. And I know many of the people, and I myself interviewed some of them. And so mm-hmm. it was, but you have such an amazing, really deep dive into names that I had never heard of. I mean, I know Lottie Burke, mm-hmm. I know all this stuff, but you know, you go mm-hmm. so deep and such a rich history of uh, just women and fitness and where it all came from and the personalities as you're describing, mm-hmm. right? Because that's a mm-hmm. huge part of it, right? Mm-hmm. The, the cult of personality with, I always say, yeah. Danielle, a squat's a squat, a push-up's a push-up. It's the person who's teaching it that is selling their thing. And that's yeah. kind of what mm-hmm. you really get to in this book, right? The amazing personalities. Yeah, yeah. And um, many of these women, I mean, they really were pioneers. And as I discuss, you know, in some depth in the book, in the 1950s, when the contemporary fitness industry really began, it was really um, transgressive for a woman to to sweat, you know, to show off muscles, to even to, to exercise basically as a grown woman in any regular vigorous way. And so for many decades, the women who invented and sold their workouts, they weren't just entrepreneurs and creative thinkers. They really were pioneers who in many cases were going against pretty ingrained social norms to give women something that they previously didn't have. And that I believe has just improved, you know, has changed so many women's lives for the better. Yeah. So far ahead of their time, right? I had the Yes. Amazing good fortune many years ago to interview Jack Lane. Um, mm, and, you know, mm-hmm. I thought of him. Obviously, you're going to the female counterparts and Bonnie Pruden, like just amazing stories. They were so far ahead of their time, which made you kind of sad, too. I, I said this to, you know, yeah. you know, because you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, we knew in the 50s what, you know, the mental aspects and all of this kind of stuff. Like, how are we still here today? Right. Especially with the women's side, as you're saying. Right. Because we're still battling that contradiction that you, you know, so artfully discuss and, and describe with, with, you know, losing weight and the perfect form and that just horrible kind of fight that women have in this industry Mm -hmm. on both sides. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, something I was really interested in investigating where that relationship between exercise and external appearances in the beauty industry began. And I mean, it feels like such an obvious connection now, but everything has a history. And so, you know, in the 50s and 60s, they weren't even, the medical community wasn't even convinced yet that exercise led to weight loss. So what I really found was that in those early days, because it was so transgressive and radical for a woman to want to test her strength and move, um, you know, it kind of had to be sold as a way to become slim and trim and to hold on to your honeymoon figure and frankly, you know, make your husband happy Um, because it would never have flown. It would never have caught on if it was just sold as strength for strength's sake. So, you know, that, that relationship, that, that interplay between becoming strong and being fit and doing so to look a certain way was there pretty much from the very beginning. And so it's, um, you know, there's been, each chapter has had its own sort of flavor of that relationship, but the arc of history has been toward progress here. And even though we still have so far to go, you know, I was really, it was very encouraging to see some of the baby steps toward progress that have occurred over the last few years. And, and what's so frightening, I would say, Danielle, is, is, you know, when you get into running, I'm a big runner. I know you ran New York City, by the way, it just happened the other day, right? With your yeah, dad, I've yeah, done the same yeah. thing. And I actually yeah. wanted you to go into that more. And it, like, I love that you talk about how, you know, you told your time to a cab driver and he's like, what did you walk it? And like, <laughs> yeah, but, but like, that's what's so ridiculous is, I know exactly because I've done the exact same thing with my dad, um, mm-hmm. how amazing mm-hmm. that experience is to share that. And, 
you know, how I would argue, and I'm sure you'd agree, like social media has kind of, I don't want to say ruined, but added mm. an element of those type of experiences where like people aren't going to get it and who cares and you did it for the right. reasons you did it, right? And, you know, I, I, I'm just sad that social media has kind of added an extra layer of like taking the fun and the experience away from experiences like that. Um, but what's right, so right. amazing, right, is you talk about, you do an incredible history of of running uh, and Catherine, you know, the Boston Marathon, all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. We're talking about women and how they believed, this is unbelievable, that a woman's uterus would fall out if you ran yeah, too far. Yeah. Did yeah. you? How yeah, is that, how is that, that possible? Lot of I know, I know. I mean, there's just so much fear around women's bodies for so long. And there still is, you know, I think there's been such a, there's, so much more of a candid conversation happening now, um, largely thanks to social media, sort of the blessing and the right. curse. But, um, but, but compared to what existed, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, it, it, it obviously has improved, you know, and it took Catherine Switzer, the, the first woman to run the, the Boston Marathon with a number and, and other uh, women, so many other women's running pioneers from the 70s, 80s and beyond to, to, it was sort of, um, you know, they were proving these officials and the medical community wrong by doing, by showing. And I'm, I'm still amazed that it, you know, it took until 1984 yes. to get a, a, yes. a at the Olympics. I mean, that is just incredible. And so, yeah, there's, you know, I mean, the idea that women are the weaker sex, that women are limited, it's, it was to, to, um, defy that was really threatening in in post-war America and in the mid-20th century, you know, because masculinity meant strength and thereby femininity kind of meant weakness, you know? And so debunking these myths was really debunking some very fundamental beliefs about the way our society worked and was structured. And that's, I should say too, I mean, beyond just the cinematic characters, the personalities in the book, I really, I saw early on too, that there was a much bigger story here. And, you know, so often the history of of women's fitness, I think especially is treated as kind of like a series of disparate fads from, from leg warmers to, you know, buns of steel and the shake weight and, and, and it's so much more than that. And, um, you know, so many of these pioneers have been forgotten by history. Their work hasn't been really properly acknowledged until now. But what I wanted to show was, first of all, how it's all, everyone's connected. And, you know, Bonnie Pruden went on to influence some of the creators, some of the founders of aerobics who went on to, you know, every, everything is, every, everything is connected. And also um, the rise of the women's fitness movement was really a reflection. It both reflected and fueled the changing times and cultural and social beliefs about women's bodies and and capability and power, and that just felt like a story that that was really important and hadn't been told in sort of one, you know, cohesive narrative form. So it was really exciting for me to get to tell that story. And it's a story that I have not read in this way, as you said. You know, when I'm sure you were doing your research. Um... And it's incredible, you know, because you do go through the war and advertising. Um, I, I was, you know, yelling to my wife, did you know where the sports bra came from? Right. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just. Yeah. Right? One of my favorite stories. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love the line you have. What did the sports bra Ben and Jerry's and the Muppets have in common? Why don't you tell the readers <laughs> <laughs> what, what do they have in common? It's kind of cool. And it leads to where it came from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have to read and see. Yeah. yeah there you go. Um, <laughs> But just amazing. And, and and the way you so expertly tie in the times and the women's issues and how, you know, it affected, um, as you said, you know, this community and the connections that they had to one another, which blew me away too, Danielle. Like, you know, mm. how someone mm-hmm. taught someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes complete sense, but it's so cool to read. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, what surprised you? Like, what jumped out? I mean, I'm sure there was a lot. Um, but what, like, really resonated with you after after writing this book? Yeah, there really was a lot. I mean, and that's what made it so fun. I right. felt like I was on, it was just such a process of discovery from the right. very beginning. I love discovering those unexpected connections. Um, I have to say that the, the stories of the gear, the the sports bra, the creation and rise of Lycra as, a, as like the fitness fabric 
or really it's a fiber, which, be, you know, be, becomes sure. the fabric, fabric, excuse me. Um, those stories were just so fascinating to me. So the sports bra, to, to <laughs> elaborate on what you were alluding to, yeah. wasn't invented until 1977 in Vermont. And the fact that it wasn't invented until that long, really to me, just, you know, it speaks to how little women moved for so long. Um, with so many of these inventions, necessity was the mother of invention. And so it took, it kind of took a critical mass of women moving for, for women to get the, the gear that would enable them to move more comfortably. And the story of Lycra too is so fascinating. It was the fiber was initially invented by DuPont to create a more comfortable girdle. But not long after they, after decades, they debuted it, women started ditching their girdles. And so suddenly they had, there were rolls and rolls of, you know, shiny lycra fabric that wasn't being turned into girdles. And then that fabric basically became the fabric of leotards and of liberation for so many women. So those kind of unexpected stories of just how the contemporary industry and the gear of the industry came to be were, were really delightful to me. I, I mean, like I said, just the some of the myths that persisted not that long ago. Um, the, the myth about women's, about vigorous exercise causing a woman's uterus to fall out <laughs> came up again and again. And it, you know, I, I questioned, I was like, do people really believe that? And sure enough, I mean, so many women I interviewed and I, as you said, I interviewed, you know, uh, many um, true fitness legends, but also sure. just women who have been active or who lived the history in these pages as devotees. And so many of them described a version of that story to me of, of that belief, you know, your uterus will drop your uterus. will. it was just, um, and I mean, what a sort of what an ironclad way to prevent women from pushing, from, from testing their strength, especially in the six, you know, fifties and sixties, women were so conditioned to want to have children. What could be scarier or sound more horrifying? in your uterus literally falling out. So, yeah. And, and it's so frightening because it's like, when did that ever happen? I mean, it makes me really sad with, you know, because doctors were pushing this, as you said, and, you know, right? and yeah. it, not that long ago. So it's just, it's sad and frightening and, and you know, makes you rethink, you know, constantly other things that are out there when it comes to, you know, exercise and, and what's being put forth. I mean, I even love, let's backtrack a little bit when you talk about miniskirts and you had great line basically yeah. saying, right, right, how clothing up until then was, was hiding imperfections. And now with mm -hmm. the advent mm -hmm. of miniskirts, well, now we have, we're showing more skin and that led to obviously different types of exercise and caring more about appearance and just the way you tie that in. And it's obviously inherently tied into the movement. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I found that so fascinating how until really the sixties, you know, um, yeah, women's fashions were meant to flatter and camouflage what women called figure faults. And with the, you know, with the girdle, um, being ditched, which happened a teeny bit later, but with, with the rise of the miniskirt and, and, and just <laughs> the mini everything. Right suddenly women were really exposed. And so, and so it was like a paradigm shift. Instead of altering your clothes to flatter your body, it was altering your body to, to flatter your clothes and to flatter fashion. Um, and with, as with so many uh, sort of developments in, in women's fashion and beauty over the years, on the one hand, not having to wear <laughs> layers and layers of petticoats and and be you know dressed so modestly set women free it was easier to move it was more youthful and you could be more expressive with your fashion but on the other hand it created you know the 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 beauty and body standards were just continually ratcheted up and and that really did help to fuel uh first Lottie Burke and then and then the rise of uh women's fitness in general and by the way, back to, to Lottie Burke, years ago, I was waiting for you to, did you come across Go Figure as one of the, so that was like a, another version of Lottie Burke. So in Greenwich, Connecticut, okay. I'm, I'm in Darien. So, you know, it was a bar mm -hmm. method type thing started by, you know, another woman. But mm -hmm. long story short, I, I 
you know, try everything. And I remember being so humbled uh, in this room <laughs> with these women, as you describe, you know, the typical bar class. <laughs> and here I was, this Ironman ultra marathon guy, and <laughs> I was dying. Uh, I mean, just so humbled. And it's so incredible. <laughs> and and yeah. I mean, just amazing. Um, and what, what I love, the kind of so much great stuff in the book, but the, the overall arching theme of how exercise made women feel, right? Because yeah. I'm a big one, Danielle. You know, I work with a bunch of different fitness companies and pushing mm -hmm. for let's stop having, you know, the perfect bodies in the ads. Let's have that real person and let's open this up to everyone because you talk about, and I saw it too back when I used to write for the magazines and things like that. And you speak about this in the book, you'd have an article on, you know, fitness and loving your body. Mm -hmm. And the next page would be an ad for something totally contradictory to what that article and what the magazine is all about, right. um, which right. is so problematic. So just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's still, um, we still see that to an extent today, sure. but sure. I really think as, as one historian told me, you know, there has, there has been a kind of buy-in from capitalism um, to, the, to the body positivity, body neutrality, body acceptance movement. Um, when you look through magazines, uh, in, in, certainly in the 50s and 60s, but, but even in the 70s, um, that it's really, it, it really, I mean, it's endlessly entertaining, but it makes your head explode. Um, there was one example in an issue of Cosmopolitan that was edited by the legendary Helen Gurley Brown at the time, where um, <laughs> there was an article that was literally titled Why I Hate Me. And it was meant to be a kind of, you know, um, uh, it, it was meant to encourage women to cultivate self-esteem. And then on the next page was a full body what they called a slenderizing rap. It was like oh, mummifying yourself. And it was just every page, it was, you know, there there were those contradictions, of course, um, fueled by the advertising industry, among, among other things. But um, the advertising industry has never, unfortunately, you know, gone wrong by um, by highlighting aspects of women's bodies that they should feel self-conscious about and that we should feel shame about and fear. And so it's been, it has been, and again, I don't want to oversell it, but over the past five, 10 years, you know, it has been really encouraging to see the ways in which that is changing. And the tolerance for that is just, it has just gone way down. There's now, as, as one body activist told me, you know, or, or really just explained in a really clarifying way for so long, the conversation around these topics was one way. It was, it was pop culture, arbiters, women's magazines, media telling women, you know, this is how you should look. This is what you should strive for. And women attempted to, to follow. And now because of social media, which again, it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. However, it has given, as this one activist, uh, Virgie Tobar put it, a voice to those who have always been the majority in numbers, you know, but not in power really. And so now that there's a two-way conversation, anytime there is kind of, I mean, this is, there's, there's a lot to deconstruct with the way that social media sure. uh, dialogues happen, but for, for better or worse, when a major fitness company or beauty, you know, uh, company uh, starts to veer back into that body shaming territory, there's just, there, there will be a backlash <laughs> and that, um, that is progress. And we're seeing, you know, so many more, uh, so much more diversity of body size and shape on magazine covers in advertisements and particularly, um, among women's, uh, you know, athleisure brands. Again, it's not. This is not to say that the people uh, making these decisions are, have necessarily had an <laughs> some kind of you know epiphany. They want However, to make money, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but progress has to start somewhere. So no, and I, you know, you you talk about and you know, it's someone who was a trainer for many years and trained you know so many people of all ages and and just you know sizes yeah. and everything. 
you just wanted to get across that, of course, you know, people, and you talk about in the book too, everyone wants to be a certain way, look a certain way. You know, right. we, we are visual people, but, you know, we, huge part of my philosophy and, and life's work, Danielle is saying, yeah, but there's so many benefits to exercise that you're missing out on when that's your focus. And, yeah. you know, we don't want to focus on the scale and, you know, the benefits of exercise psychologically that you talk about are, are, are so huge. And you talk about how empowering it is and it's, it's cliche mm -hmm. to talk about, but it, but it's so true. You know it, I know it. Uh, and many people are learning it now, as you're saying, because we are getting away from that perfect ideal and do it because it feels good first, right? You're going to get the other two. I always say, Danielle, right? What good feel exactly. good live longer. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I exercise mm -hmm. for my sanity now. <laughs> yeah. it used to be more vanity, but <laughs> you're going to look better um, and yeah. you're going to feel better. And, and that's exciting. And that's a huge kind of yeah. undercurrent of your book as well. Yes, yes. And so many women I interviewed, particularly women who discovered exercise in the 70s and 80s, talked about how, you know, the thing that originally got them in the door was uh, changing the way they looked, fitting into a smaller size pair of jeans. But, you know, they very quickly discovered these more profound benefits um, for their mental health, for their energy, for their, you know, even their sense of community and social belonging. Um, I, I was really influenced in my research by uh, Kelly McGonigal, the psychologist at Stanford, who most recently wrote The Joy of Movement, which is just, I don't know if you've, um, sure. you know, how... Yeah. I, I just, for me, the, her work and which basically, you know, she, she pulls together all of the latest research into the, the psychological benefits of, of movement. And that, that's just, I kept coming back to that throughout the whole process of why, you know, um, it's, I know it's obvious on many levels, but like why this really matters for our overall well-being um, and for reasons that go far beyond vanity or or even, you know, kind of clinical medical health, um, just overall what what's what's more important, you know, than the pursuit of of health and happiness. And so, um, yeah, it was very it was very encouraging to hear about women who discovered that for themselves and who are now in their some, some of them in their, you know, 80s and 90s and are still reaping those rewards. And still teaching. I love like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the daughter, you know, I, just incredible. But I love and uh -huh. kind of end the book there. Um, you're talking about the psychology and um, that's everything I'm about. You know, I always say that, you know, we know we need to move more and eat better, but how do we do that? And what's the, what's mm -hmm. the special sauce and what you're saying and alluding to is, you know, that magic of being in a class, of being in a group, of, yeah. of, of moving together, of that, you know, synchronicity and just like incredible um, feeling in a group setting. Mm -hmm. and, and you know what, Danielle, that kind of makes me think, you know, with the Pelotons of the world, it's great. We brought, you know, access into the home and you can do your workouts, but there's nothing like being in that group setting. Um, I know, right? I with, know. As you talk about in the book, with the bar and all those different methodologies you tried out. Yeah, and it just you know it actually brings it back to the marathon for me, um, which is fresh on my mind after the race on Sunday. But um, but it, I, every single time I, well, every time I watch the New York City Marathon, which I'm fortunate that it it literally runs right by my apartment. Um, but even for me, every time I'm waiting to start running a road race, I cry, <laughs> you know, I not, not, I'm not weeping, but I, but I just feel that such, it's such a pure swell of emotion. And, and, and I, that to me is precious. I mean, there's, there are a few things I think for me that have the ability to move me in such a reliable and visceral way. And it's just that experience of, of moving together in a crowd, knowing that everyone, everyone is trying, you know, and, and I, you know, I was thinking about what you were the, um, you highlighted the anecdote I talked about in the book where the cab driver asked me if I walked the marathon yeah. when I told him my time. And, and I should, I should mention too, I did run it with my dad, who is the most passionate runner and is responsible for, for my interest in this sport. But he, um, my dad was slowing down for me. He he was 68, but <laughs> was he really? <laughs> so, I mean, but I mentioned that because 
you know, I'm, I'm not an elite athlete. Um, I'm a very, I think one of the reasons why I was really interested in telling this story also is because, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an instructor. I'm not an industry professional. And yet, um, exercise and movement have, have had such a uh, profound impact on me. And I wanted to know how, you know, how and why just regular, uh, appreciators of movement and fitness came to have access to the opportunities that we now have today. How I could run a marathon when just, you know, 50 years ago, even the most elite Olympic athletes, uh, female athletes didn't have that opportunity. So, um, you know, fitness looks different for everyone, but I think what we have in common is that it comes down to, you know, you don't have to look a certain way or have a certain ability to benefit from it in a very deep and meaningful way. And I would argue your passion and kind of connection. And I'm like you, listen, every finish line I cross, I cry, you know, it's all, it it changes Mm -hmm. you. And, and I love, and, but, and I love that you're not that person, right? You're not the fitness instructor. Cause I think that, is one of the reasons the book is so good. Not that a fitness instructor couldn't write a good <laughs> book, but you come at it in a different way that is so mm. unique and so just passionate. And and I love the chapter. I tweeted it out. I was literally reading the chapter on running. And you said you started with uh, Catherine Switzer's uh, <laughs> quote, if you're losing yeah. faith in human nature, go out and watch a marathon. Uh, there's yep. something so powerful about that. And every I would say everyone has a story and everyone's suffering together. And at the end, everyone yeah. will... You know, they're suffering on the same course in the same conditions and everyone will have a story and everyone will suffer. And all those analogies, again, are so cliche, but they're so powerful. And yeah, yeah, you really kind of get that across. I'll give you a quick story. I had a client many years ago. Your book made me think of this. And we started working together. She wanted to lose weight and she was a high executive and not in a great marriage. And we started running. And I realized, to your point, um, Danielle, so many of the women I worked with in their 40s and 50s, weren't allowed to do exercise, right? Weren't allowed to play sports mm-hmm. for whatever reason. It wasn't, mm-hmm. the, the fathers mm-hmm. wouldn't let them. And there were amazing right. athletes that we figured, mm-hmm. you right? Which was sad mm-hmm. and amazing. So long story short, we started doing 5Ks and then 10Ks and her husband wasn't supportive. And we finished our first half marathon together. I paced her and I said, you know what? You, you could run a marathon. And her husband was at the finish line and he said, she'll mm-hmm. never do it. We ran six around the world. She divorced him. (laughs) She, you know, went on to such great things. And, and I think that's one of the kind of themes of this book as well is, you know, so many of the limitations that were put on women for these reasons and others are changing and, and it's the mental side and it's the self-confidence and the self-efficacy that comes from this with that great storyline of the jog bras and jock bras and all the great other things that you Mm -hmm. weave into it. What do you want people to kind of get from this? The more I understand kind of, I mean, this is why I wrote a a book of history, but where, you know, our present opportunities came from, the more I appreciate what we have and the more meaning, you know, those um, opportunities have for me. So on one level, yes, I hope that readers take away that, that the opportunity to move um, as well as, as the access to move is still a relatively recent privilege. And also that it's one that, you know, can be harnessed for just for so much good and and so much beyond, um, the cosmetic. Um, and, and, and finally, you know, that, that the most important thing just based on my research is, is moving in ways that make us feel good. And that doesn't mean easy. It can, you know, but, um, running a marathon makes me feel really good, you know? And so, but it just, it's finding exercise should not be punitive, you know? And so finding, um, those, the forms of fitness that, that boost us and make us feel good and, um, just help to help to bolster our, our mental health. Puts it perfectly like a, you know, period exclamation point on it. It's that, as you said, and I was going to give you, give them your line that it shouldn't be punitive. And, you know, when people mm-hmm. say they don't like exercise, Danielle, it's, I always say, you haven't found what you like. You haven't exactly. found, and there is no failure. You know, you may try bar, you may hate running. You know, I say swimming is not a sport. It's a means to keep from drowning. I do triathlons, but <laughs> you know, um, there, there's such power when you find that thing and you, you will mm-hmm. find it if you keep trying, yes. 
you know, but don't beat yourself up. I love to just real quickly uh, when you talk about how perfect, you know, I used to teach a crunch many years ago and I remember walking mm-hmm. by a, a jump rope class and I was like, oh my gosh, these people are amazing. Like, no, I, I, no mm-hmm. how you would ever walk into that class because they were so perfect, but don't be afraid of finding that thing that you like. And, and maybe you do start at home as you talk about, um, right. you know, with certain mm-hmm. people and instructors, um, but find that thing. And, and it, sh- it, sh- it will be fun. It will feel good. And it may change over time too, right? You know? Exactly. It probably will. It yeah. will change. Mm-hmm. And don't beat yourself up and go, oh, you know, I used to spin three times a week and now I don't feel like it. You go, okay, find that next thing, the Zumba or whatever exactly. it might be. Danielle, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for writing this book. I, I you know, was just torturing my wife, kept, you know, reading parts to her and saying like how great and the, just all the things that I didn't know and the people um, so it's called Let's Get Physical. They can pre-order now, right? Yeah, it's available wherever books are sold. If you're into fitness, if you're into just history of women and exercise, you will be blown away. The the characters and again, Danielle goes so deep and uh, it, it's just it's an amazing book. So cannot recommend it more highly. Let's Get Physical, How Women Discovered Exercise and Reshaped the World. Danielle, thank you so much for taking the time and, and much success with this book. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure. All right. Thank you, Danielle. And we will be right back after this short break. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come along with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind the scenes details and, of course, drama. I'll be joined by some very special guests that'll be helping me break it all down. From award season nightmares to fashion week insanity, you'll get the real stories behind some of the most iconic moments in the show. The Rachel Zoe Project definitely changed my life and career in so many ways. The show definitely captured some of the most amazing moments, but also some of the absolute worst. I made the show for all the fashion lovers out there, and I'm so happy that people still watch it and love it so much. So do not miss this special takeover on Climbing in Heels. It's going to be bananas. Cannot believe I just said that. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Thank you to Danielle Friedman. Go out and get this book. Order it. Pre-order it. Let's get physical. How Women Discovered Exercise and Reshaped the World. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, If you want to reach out to me, questions, comments, uh, Tom H. Fit, Instagram, Tom H. Fit is Twitter. 
You can go to fitnessdisrupted.com, email me through the site as well. Uh, and my most recent book is The Micro Workout Plan. You can order that. A bunch of great workouts in there, home workouts, just body weight and dumbbells. So uh, if you're in the market for something like that, The Micro Workout Plan. And yes, if you have purchased it and enjoyed it, an Amazon review is greatly appreciated, as Danielle uh, will attest. Again, I just love, love, love the fact that I get to speak with people like Danielle, and I can't recommend this book more highly educational, entertaining, and unique, and just awesome. Uh, Again, let's get physical. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, there are three things we all control. How much we move, what we put into our mouths, and our attitudes. That, my friends, is awesome. I am Tom Holland. This is Fitness Disrupted. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.